0: For Your Inflammation is brought to you by Manic Panic Hair Dye. Piss off your dad and society. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Inflammation with Zach and John. This episode will have you shiver with anticipation. Welcome to Four Your Inflammation, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your host, Zach. And I'm John. Uh, Zach, I-, I learned something this week. I-, I learned something from this movie. Just a fun bit of trivia here. What, what did you learn from this movie? Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, by the way, if you didn't glance at the title. Right, uh, what I learned was that The inspiration for Meatloaf's beloved song I Would Do Anything For Love But I Won't Do That Actually came from the set of this movie Where Tim Curry uh, Who was playing the part of Dr. Frankenfurter Propositioned Meatloaf for butt sex And he said, I would do anything for love But I won't do that Hmm I always thought that the, it was about a strap-on uh, Same difference Same difference, real penis, strap-on, doesn't matter oh, Yeah, Pegging f- versus Peggy <laughs> oh this episode's already weird all right well welcome to may um believe it or not it is may i know time mm-hmm. is going by very slowly right now but it is indeed may and we thought it would be a great time to dive into some cult classics this month and uh you know what better to start this month off with than the godfather of all cult films 1975's the rocky horror picture show agreed uh this i really can't believe i hadn't seen this considering how into cult film i generally am mm-hmm. i just i put this off i know i'm th- th- jumping the the gun here you know i know this is exactly what you're gonna ask me but how have i not seen it Yeah, uh i meant to I-, I just was looking for the perfect opportunity and this is as good as any right and um that's another thing about this movie is that uh roger ebert actually said um in like a 1990 interview like he would give this movie like a 2.5 out of four stars and say that it's more of a cultural phenomenon experience than it is a movie which i don't necessarily agree with but you know a part of this movie is the the extravaganza that goes into seeing a live showing of it quote-unquote <laughs> live quote-unquote actually watching the movie however i've always told people like it's probably a good idea to give the movie a good once over before you go see a shadow cast okay uh, i could agree uh, and after watching it i definitely see how that could be useful because i the, the live action stuff's got to be really distracting to someone who doesn't know what's going on already yes it it can be and it can be stressful i remember um uh the first time i went and saw this live was in Atlanta, and there's a troupe called uh, Lips Down on Dixie, and they are fucking great. They are great people. Um, all of their proceeds go directly back to uh, the Plaza Theater in Atlanta, which is a great old historic theater. We talked about it on this podcast before. Have not talked about Lips Down on Dixie. Uh, they are great people. They put on a great show. Go see them. Anyway, um, so the first time I went to go see that was there, and I took some friends from uh, the college I was going to at the time, And about three of them had never seen it and didn't know what they were getting into and walked out. (laughs) Oh, wow. They walked out. They walked out because they were just like, I did not sign up for this. You didn't adequately warn me. I, okay. I'm pretty sure I've only ever walked out of one thing. And that thing was, um, a show at the Swayze's venue, uh, by a notorious Atlanta band called Treefort. Band is, uh, in quotation marks there. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a noise group. Uh, they make noise, and there's a group of them. You could call that a band, I guess. Uh, and the only reason I left was because they threw a guitar at the audience. They threw a guitar at the audience, and it actually came very close to you, I, and uh, someone else that we were with at the time. And I stayed because that person wanted to stay, and I didn't want them to have to be there alone. Right. <laughs> but it it, it was... Um, Treefort was something to behold. Um, they would have people pretty much naked on stage. Uh, at one point, they set their pubes on fire on stage. Uh, they set a Bible on fire, an American... Fl- Pretty much their aim was just to offend anyone watching. Right, just to be as extreme as possible without any hint of artistic integrity. It's it's truly just a shock jock thing. It is it, it is 100% for shock, nothing else. Anyway, um, and I guess you could say Rocky Horror is... In the same vein, it, it, it could be a little shocking, I guess, if you haven't seen it before and have no idea what it's about. Because, like, you would expect a horror movie from the title, but it's not really a horror movie. Uh, I mean, hey, they walked out, so maybe it was too scary for them. Maybe they truly couldn't fathom the what was going on. Possibly, possibly. I mean, it it is, ju- it is a sight to behold. There is a reason that this movie is still as popular as it is today. And we're going to get into that as soon as possible. Um, but before we get into the legacy of this, uh, John, did you have a favorite scene or like a favorite um, musical number? Actually, I did. Uh, I don't know all the names of all the musical numbers off the top of my head because, it's again, first time viewing, there's a lot of it. It's the one where they're in the actual theater setting. It's like the most like referenced and even like parodied of them i think uh where everybody shows up and they do the uh the show on stage and Mm -hmm. dr frankenfurter makes the appearance on the rko radio pictures backdrop uh that that whole scene that was probably my favorite one right uh that's that song um in that like it's like almost a song cycle type thing yeah but it's uh most commonly just referred to as a roast hit my world okay and uh that it's just fun like it it, it's It pretty much just encapsulates the craziness that's happened so far in the film. Yeah, and then it only gets weirder from there. Yeah, there was a lot going on. It does get weirder from there. Um, it it really made me more attached to the characters. I think, like up to this point, uh, like the dinner scene almost had like, uh, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes almost. Yes, and then they go into this, and it's like a, a tension release. It's like it's almost like a really well used plot device. Right, it it's almost uplifting in a way. Like it it really changes the mood of the movie. And then it changes again right after that after they um kill everyone essentially. Uh sorry. Um that I guess that's a spoiler. It's um a movie from 1975 if you haven't seen it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's not really our problem anymore. And also the the plot of this movie really does not matter. Yeah, there really isn't a lot to it. It it is it is aesthetics Um uh, rocky horror is definitely aesthetics um if you are if you like punk um if you are into like old like hammer horror films this one like really relies on the hammer horror films uh, which we oh, haven't absolutely which we haven't touched on in the podcast but we should at some point because they are um similar to the universal monsters but in a different way it is a horror cycle i think so you have like the 30s and the 40s and then you have, like, the 70s and the 80s, and mm-hmm. now you have, like, Piranha Attack 3D on the sci-fi channel. Right. Well, I mean, there's that side of horror, but then there's also, you know, uh, A24 is doing some horror movies right now, like uh, *Midsummer* or um, Heredita- Hereditary. Is yeah, that- that's the one. That one's freaky. Yeah, I see- I've seen *Midsummer* but not Hereditary, but it is, I do own the Blu-ray, and I will watch it soon. I actually yeah, just highly recommend it. I'd actually just watched Midsummer again because uh, they were having the May Day events in Animal Crossing, and I was like, oh, May Day. Now I want to watch Midsummer. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, actually, uh, Roast Nip My World is my favorite scene in this as well. Um, it's always just so much fun to watch. And also, titties. Um, but um, now. There are some things in Rocky Horror, and uh, just forewarning, preachy PSA coming up, um, that are not exactly kosher anymore. Um, namely, that Frank Frankenfurter goes by the term of a uh, transsexual, or he says he's a transvestite. Um, we don't really call people that anymore. And um, for the purposes of this podcast and talking about the film, I think we. I think it's just going to be easier to just say transsexual instead of trying to skirt around it. But just so everyone knows, like, that that's not a term I would, I or John would ever use to describe someone. Um, it's antiquated and whatever. But anyway, off my soapbox now. Right. <laughs> just wanted to let you guys know. It that, is necessary. Uh, you know, the, the 70s were a different time. And even though this is generally like a, a beloved curio among the mm-hmm. community... Uh, like you said, it's not really terminology that gets thrown around all too much these days, and that's probably for the better. It, it is, because, uh, transgendered is a, um, much more fitting and, um, adequate terminology, but anyway, just wanted to make sure everybody understood that before we move on, um, and speaking of moving on, uh, we're gonna move right along into our cocktail for this week. So, John, you liked the movie, let's hope I like the cocktail. Oh, I hope you do too. Okay, so I like doing this. I like doing what I did with this drink. Uh, It's kind of similar to what we did last week with the Starlet cocktail. A big movie requires a big cocktail. And for this one, I wanted to keep it classy. Uh, They don't really drink a lot of cocktails in the film at all. Uh, They just drink champagne, and they do that thing that we kind of saw in Singing in the Rain, where they're drinking champagne out of like a coupe glass or something Mm -hmm. like that um similar type glass whatever there are different words for the different glasses i'm just going to use that as a blanket term for this uh they did that in this movie but it was very brief uh not really something that they're doing all the time so i thought i'd take a little bit of liberty with this one and just make something classy i was thinking like what would dr frankenfurter want to drink um definitely semen but go on okay sure uh we'll get there okay uh so in order to make this cocktail, you're going to need a martini glass, you're going to need a cocktail shaker, and you're going to need some ice. You're going to need a couple other ingredients for the drink itself, and here are those ingredients. You're going to need one and a half ounces of vodka, one ounce of cranberry juice, a half ounce of slow gin, a half ounce of lime juice, a half ounce of agave syrup, one egg white, and a dash of maraschino cherry syrup. Okay, before so- you go on, did you say Slow gin? Slow gin. Okay, we've used this once before on the podcast. Uh, This is a variety of gin that is a bit older than what we would consider like a traditional London dry gin. Um, And it's something that has a lot different flavor. So generally speaking, slow gins are going to be about half the strength of your run-of-the-mill London dry gin. And they're going to have a slightly fruitier, like berry kind of flavor to them. There's a whole thing behind what it is and how it's made. not going to get into that right now. But just know that it is a different product than your regular gin, and I would not recommend putting any kind of full-strength gin in place of this. It'll really throw off the cocktail. Okay, makes sense. Uh, Just had to make sure that I understood what was going on. Please continue. So, yeah, to put it into perspective, it's kind of like the uh, Malibu to Bacardi would be the Ah. slow gin to, like, a traditional, like, London Dry. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Yeah, so... That's what you're working with the slow gin. Uh, It's red in color, which contributes to the whole effect of the cocktail. Uh, You combine all these ingredients into the cocktail shaker with ice. You're going to shake it up and double strain it into the martini glass. So double straining, again, like we've talked about a couple times before, is going to be really important for this drink because you don't want a bunch of, like, lime pulp hanging out in your drink. Um just kind of ruins the effect especially with this one because the addition of the egg white gives it a big foamy head to it, right? So that's going to give the cocktail a lot more depth. When you pour the cocktail out into the glass, it's going to be one big thick color and then it's going to gradually separate into the liquidy part on the bottom and the foamy layer on top. See, that's that's an appeal that the drink has to it. So if you start doing other stuff like leaving all the pulp in there or doing something else, it's going to throw it off and you're not going to get the same effect. You don't want gin orange juice exactly that's uh that's just what snoop dogs into sleeping on jean and juice anyway exactly <laughs> like that yeah so uh you can do some fun stuff with this cocktail uh if you've ever had a cocktail like a, a ramos gin fizz or something else that has this um egg white in it, it it definitely loans a little bit of flavor to it but it's really mild and it's kind of creamy so it's got a really good mouthfeel to it and what you can do is you can do a little bit of art with it uh if you ever go to like a It's a coffee shop or something Like you see people drawing in the top of the foam layer of the drink You can actually do that with the egg white of a cocktail like this So what you can do You can get yourself like a uh, toothpick or something You can get a little bit of that maraschino cherry syrup And draw on the foam layer On the top of the drink Okay, so it's like a It's almost like a beer that has a little bit of foam at the top Yeah, a lot like that actually And you know, this is fun Because you can put whatever you want on there You know, in my case, I put a dick on there Because I thought that would be pretty fitting (laughs) it it uh, it does fit the the narrative it it fits the narrative of this podcast but it definitely fits the narrative of this movie um even though there are not no actual penises shown no which is odd but oh well it was the 70s what are you gonna do all right john well that sounds awesome another classic cocktail to add to one of our classic episodes you always do such a good job with this dude thanks that's literally all i have to contribute <laughs> You contribute a lot more you, you keep me grounded you keep me here uh you're the one that keeps the schedule going on this uh if not for you i would probably release an episode every five weeks five weeks uh well you know what quality over quantity right 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 but except the quality wouldn't be there either you you definitely keep things on track here <laughs> well then it's nice to feel appreciated you're always appreciated here man Um, and speaking of things that are appreciated, or in this case, not appreciated, um, let's invite our good friend Frank Synopsis into the studio to tell us a little bit about Rocky Horror, just so that we can keep ourselves on track, and, uh, for those of you that are still listening to the episode that haven't seen this movie, uh, welcome to the show, Frank. Frank? Hey, it's me! I had a little bit of a thing there, just kinda getting inside my own head. Oh, okay, that sounds terrifying. Uh, how are you doing this week, Frank? I- I'm doing just fine. I made a new friend this week. Oh, uh, who's your new friend? That's awesome. My new friend is a very special guy I met behind a Perkins restaurant. Ooh, okay. Uh, Perkins, not exactly the most reputable place. What's going on? Uh, wh- 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 where did you meet? How'd you meet him? Zach, I would like to introduce you to Meatloaf. Oh, shit. That is no shit Meatloaf. It is a pan of Meatloaf. That is, yes, um... I, I, this is your friend? Oh, what's that, Milo? Oh? He says he just wants to be loved. Oh, um, would he do anything for that love? Uh, he would do everything except stop riding his motorcycle around. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, riding your motorcycle indoors is dangerous, but you know what? If you gotta do it, you gotta do it. When you're a handful of meat, dinner, entree, stuff, you don't really have to worry about carbon monoxide poisoning, now do you? I guess not, if you're already, uh, you know, skinned, cooked, and scattered, smothered, and covered... You're good to go. Alright Frank, um, if you'll just uh, put Meatloaf down for a minute and uh, tell us about Rocky Horror Picture Show. Alright, well let's get right into it. Brad Majors and Janet Weiss are two boring white people. While on their way to meet their friend, Dr. Everett Scott, they get a flat tire in front of a gothic abode. Unfortunately for them, it is the home of Dr. Frankenfurter, a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. With his assistants, Riff Raff, Magenta, and Columbia, Frankenfurter creates a new man for himself, Rocky. Beautiful. Thank you, Frank. Um, As always, you can find your pay on the table outside. Uh, We will lock the door as soon as you leave, and please don't forget uh, your new friend, Meatloaf. Oh, how could I? He's my ride now. I'm going to be bus fare rich now that I don't have to buy a bus ticket from Central Park every day. Oh, okay, that's awesome. Uh, You can ride your bat out of hell out of here then. Oh, yeah, I'm going to ride, bitch. Oh, Okay <laughs> Oh man Alright well Frank is always a hoot At least uh, nothing got destroyed today John are you back with us Okay so There's a motorcycle Outside and I need to know That Frank does not have a motorcycle Please tell me it's not his Um it is I I don't know how but apparently A pan of meatloaf drives it You know what I, I I'm not even surprised I don't even know what I expected you should have expected nothing And gotten everything hmm. That's how this works uh, with Frank <laughs> Alright you know what I'm we're done with that We're going to move on I'm not even going to ask any more questions About that Alrighty so let's kind of tr- Most of what this episode is going to be is talking about The legacy of this film because it It, it was a movie It was made um, And we'll talk about that but mostly what we're going to want to Talk about is the legacy and Like what people have done with the movie After the fact So right. As cult film wants to do, as cult film tends to do. All right, so we're gonna go right into the Wikipedia info. This is kind of like your basic bitch info that you couldn't, that you could probably find very easily. All right, so Rocky Horror Picture Show was released on August fourteenth, nineteen seventy-five. It was directed by Jim Sharman and produced by Lou Adler and Michael White, who are from Twentieth uh, Century Fox. The screenplay is by Richard O'Brien and Jim Sharman. Um, And it stars Tim Curry as Dr. Frank Inverter, and uh, you know who Tim Curry is. Uh, Of course I know who Tim Curry is. Not only is he the voice of uh, Nigel Thornberry, he is also in Home Alone 2 and countless other productions. Um, Susan Sarandon as Janet Weiss. Uh, Susan Sarandon became a very big actress after this movie. Uh, This was kind of like a before-they-were-famous kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, so she was in stuff like Stepmom, and, uh, she was also in the, um, Mother's Day Lonely Island music video. Ah, uh, right, uh, the classic. The classics, the classics. Um, Barry Boswick as Brad Majors, uh, you would know him, he was on a bunch of, like, uh, police procedural TV shows after this. Uh, most notably, like, Law and & Order and, uh, Boston Legal. bumble. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. we are riffing. We're riff-raffing. Yeah, riff-raffing. We're riff-raffing. Uh, speaking of riff-raff, he was played by Richard O'Brien, who also wrote and uh, directed the original uh, stage production of this film. Oh. Uh, Patricia Quinn as Magenta. Uh, she actually, in the stage production, she actually only sang the opening number. Uh, Little Nell as Columbia, who actually played Magenta in the stage production. Uh Jonathan Adams as Dr. Scott, Peter Hindwood as Rocky Horror, and of course, Meatloaf as Eddie. Yeah. So little Nell, that can't be her actual name, right? Uh no, her name is Nell Campbell. Oh, okay, so is this just like a like a like a stage name that she goes by? This is this was a stage name that she was going by at the time. It was also like what she had like a record contract or something, and like her name was Little Now. So just like Meatloaf's name is not actually fucking Meatloaf. I see. Well, wait. His first name is not Meat, and his last name is not Loaf. No, 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 no. Um, I don't know what his actual name is, but he he usually is uh, credited as Meatloaf, no matter you know, what he's in. Ugly people need love, too. Uh, you know what? They do. I, I, I'm a big old will and testament to that. Um, <laughs> the music uh, that was not written by Richard O'Brien, uh, now the new orchestrations were done by Richard Hartley, and of course all the songs were written by Richard O'Brien. Uh, the movie, like I said, was distributed by 20th Century Fox. Uh, the budget for this movie was $1.4 million, and it's lifetime box office is around $140.2 million. which That is, is a lot. That That is a whole lot. It is. However, there is a reason for it. If this movie had had a traditional, you know, one-and-done theatrical release, it would not have made this much money. But uh, there is, Rocky Horror is a very special being in the film world, and we'll get into that. But before we uh-huh. get into that, we have to kind of talk about how this started. Just to give you guys some perspective. Alright, so Rocky Horror started out its life as a musical written by Richard Richard O'Brien, who played Riff Raff in the stage and film versions. The stage production was first workshopped in Australia through a mutual friend of O'Brien's, Jim Sherman. Uh, They met when O'Brien was playing King Harold in an Australian production of Jesus Christ Superstar, which Sherman was directing which uh if you don't know jesus christ superstar it's by uh just my absolute favorite musical writer uh fucking andrew lloyd goddamn weber mm, yep you can smell it you can smell it you can smell the gas bars while he's huffing on his own goddamn fumes literally a CPAP hooked up to his anus jesus christ i can't even imagine that the man's like 172 years old he's only a little younger than frank Yeah, Um, and see Frank doesn't need to do that stuff Just proves that bad lifestyle choices Will lead you down a road of medical maladies That you don't want to be a part of (laughs) Jesus Christ Alright, so after a successful workshop The production moved to London Where it got most of its cast About 90% of the cast From the stage version Made it into the film version one way or another Uh, Tim Curry had this to say About landing the role I'm not going to attempt to do a Tim Curry impression 'Cause uh, that's rude as shit and um I love him. Ah, uh, uh you want me to give it a shot? Sure, you don't care about meeting Tim Curry. Ah, uh, that's true. Uh you know, sometimes you just gotta go out on a limb. Alright, so here is my best Tim Curry. Uh this is John from For Your Information, uh, auditioning for the part of Tim Curry as Tim Curry in Tim Curry the movie. <laughs> Hi, kids, it's me, Tim Curry. Ha 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 How's that? Um You definitely got terrifying Tim Curry down Uh, Can you try maybe a Nigel Thornberry Tim Curry Oh it's me I'm going to come in here And be a Nigel Thornberry (laughs) Perfect Honestly perfect alright Do you want to read all of this out For me yeah sure why not Let's just roll this okay let's just roll It go oh okay are we doing The Nigel Thornberry Tim Curry or are we doing the uh, Pennywise the clown Tim Curry Interchange them (laughs) Oh okay uh, here we go. I'd heard about the play because I lived on Paddington Street off Baker Street and there was an old gym a few doors away. I saw Richard O'Brien in the street and he said he'd just been to the gym to see if he could find a muscleman who could sing. I said, Why do you need him to sing? <laughs> and he told me that his musical was going to be done and I should talk to Jim Sharman. He gave me the script and I thought, Boy, this works out it's gonna be a smash <laughs> wow that is um i'm terrified i i think i pooped a little um good that, that was that was the goal yeah that actually like not a great tim curry impression but a great tim curry as it impression i'm i'm actually impressed you know what man that's why i'm here i've got a face for radio and a voice for pretending to be tim curry sometimes yeah <laughs> maybe in 20 years when no one remembers what ted curry sounds like you will be like th- that'll be your fucking pocket you know what uh for the second reimagining of it maybe i can be pennywise when they want to go back and they want a more a balder one and an angrier one why like it just never leave the camera's focus off of um it like just have pennywise be the main character I'm there for it, man. I'm there for it. <laughs> like, let's let's have like a Wicked style like redemption arc for Pennywise. Okay, yeah, th- this seems like a good idea. I don't see how this could possibly go wrong. <laughs> I don't see how this couldn't be Maleficent 2, Electric Boogaloo i'm into that uh, you know what i could be that too just put me in that weird face hood thing with the horns on it uh, paint my face green uh, well okay no green representation in hollywood was changed forever when they released a the wizard of oz we've already covered that so you can't just do that you can't wear green face anymore no green face is um very offensive to kermit the frog um, yes. <laughs> all right let's move on uh, the show opened at the Royal Court Theater in London, which is a 63-seat theater. So this is basically like a black box theater. Okay, so the theater from the scene we were talking about earlier is basically what they were working with at first. Correct. Okay, that's that's kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, it is fun. Like, especially something like this where, like, you know, you want to be up in the audience's face with it. Um, that That is real... The, Having a smaller theater is the best way to do it, because if you do it on a big stage, I feel like it would alienate people. Uh, yeah, it does need to be intimate, I guess. Yeah, I I could see, anytime I've seen, like, a live, like, actual production of Rocky Horror Show, which, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned that, the, the musical is not called Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's just called Rocky Horror Show. Okay, okay, it makes sense, and then they changed it to Picture Show when it became a Picture Show, right? Correct oh that's fun okay that's actually a really uh well thought out thing for them to do i agree i i've always loved the the name of this like it just perfectly encapsulates what it's about um anyway before we get to the actual movie um the production uh moved to la at the roxy theater and then quickly moved to the belasco theater on broadway which uh, was most recently the home of uh, getting the band back together, if anybody saw that. I don't know if they did. Um, I know it's closed now because of coronavirus. Yeah, see, that sucks. You finally get your big uh, Broadway debut and uh, coronavirus. Right, and uh, it really sucks for um, uh, Beetlejuice. Because Beetlejuice was actually like doing really well. Um, the theater that they were at didn't want to keep them anymore because they had something else coming in. Like It was just a scheduling conflict, so they were actually in talks... To so move Beetlejuice, and now that's kind of like up in the air, and that sucks. I see, I see. <laughs> yeah, it it really sucks. Beetlegeist, oh, uh... Beetle Beetlegeist, Beetlegeist, Beetlegeist. Well, if you have not checked out the music from that musical, I highly suggest it. It's fucking brilliant. It is really uh... good. It's full of Danny Elfman syncopation. <laughs> if if you hear, <laughs> it's either Hans Zimmer or Danny Elfman. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna stick with Danny Elfman. I think. I, I prefer Danny Elfman to Hans Zimmer, but, I mean, I will take Hans Zimmer when Danny Elfman is not available. Anyway, alright, so let's get into some of the pre-production for this film. And, basically, the production as well, because I actually couldn't find a whole lot of information about, like, filming this, which is hmm. really weird. That is kind of weird. Yeah, I, I figured there would be, like, legend behind this, and, like, I really couldn't find anything. Like I said, most people focus on the after part of this. Right. I mean, it's been kept alive for so long, maybe it just kind of obviated the need for having such, like, documentarian precision in (laughs) keeping up with it. I guess so. Uh, There's no keeping up with the Rocky Horians. That, That reality show doesn't exist. That was a stupid ah. joke. I'm sorry. All right. Um, so the film rights for this were picked up by 20th Century Fox after the producers saw the L.A. production and they were like, we have to make this. Don't know why they said that, but they did. Yeah, um, why not? It's the 70s. It's the 70s. Why not? Cocaine! <laughs> Most of the filming took place in Oakley Manor, a large, sprawling Victorian Gothic mansion built in 1857, located in Bray, Berkshire, England. Uh, the... The mansion was actually previously used in several hammer horror films, including the massively popular Revenge of Frankenstein. Oh, that's tons of fun. That's tons of fun, yeah. So, like, they actually had a lot of the, uh, like, they also had some props from old hammer horror movie films that were just hanging out at the mansion. I'm not sure if anybody, like, lives there or not, which is really fucking weird. But anyway, they had them. So uh, there's a couple of props in there. Um, I couldn't really find exactly which ones, but they, there are some in there. Like, I think the cannons are from another Hammer Horror film. There's probably a lot. Oh, yeah. there's. I mean, I think this thing is pretty much tailor-made as a set at this point. But you can still go to it. I don't think anyone lives there. I wouldn't want to live there. Hey, who knows? Might be fun. Might get haunted by the ghost of uh Peter Cushing. Ooh. Um... <laughs> So, most, like I said before, most of the original cast from the theatrical production returned. However, O'Brien decided that he wanted American actors for Brad and Janet, eventually leading to the casting of Barry Boswick and Susan Sarandon. Ah, yes. uh, Never been more happy to see Susan Sarandon. Yes. uh, If you ever wanted to know what uh, Susan Sarandon looks like in a bra for an hour of a film, uh, this is a great choice. Yeah. uh, Honestly, it may be the only choice. I I think it might actually be your only choice um she is not too particularly fond of this film i don't think (laughs) i wonder why that is i wonder why that is Uh, you know you got to pay the bills somehow i guess anyway uh pierre larousse was hired to do makeup on the film he had previously worked with mick jagger and david bowie uh which helped lean into the glam rock aesthetic that the film has uh, yeah, it's just super, super fitting, I think This is definitely a David Bowie-flavored thing Oh, yeah, frank and could have easily been played by David Bowie If they would have had the clout to get him Right But I think that, uh, I don't know if I would have I don't think David Bowie would have done it as much justice as Tim Curry does Because I honestly can't imagine anyone else playing frank And no yeah. one else ever should Agreed <laughs> In, in a film, in a film, a stage production is different. Right, and uh, if you are making a slight stab at the 2016 remake, I have heard nothing but bad things about the remake. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it, and um, fuck it is what I'm gonna say right now. Uh, it, it I usually say watch something because there's some redeeming quality. Uh, there are some things that are just absolutely skip this. Don't worry about it. All right. I believe yep. it. <laughs> All right. Um. So, costume designer Sue Blaine took a look. Take like took some inspiration from early punk culture because punk was kind of like growing up at this time. You know, you, right. had the, you had the Sex Pistols over in the UK. You had the Ramones. Um. Kind of like the whole like horror punk thing, like the horrors and drive-ins kind of thing. That was already kind of starting to happen, but it was really like punk was really starting to come into the foray. Um. And so she used. So she used, like, a lot of things from that, like, you know, like, the leather and the fishnets. And, uh, she actually believes that a lot of punk was in turn inspired by Rocky Horror. So, like, you know, um, you know, the Manic Panic Hair Dye and all that kind of shit. Right. It's, a uh, it's positive feedback loop. Positive feedback loop, because this movie just, like, did wonders for that culture. Because, you know, suburban white teenagers were very, very interested in po- punk culture. Right, not much has changed Well, I say that, we'll say not much changed up until about 2016 Right, right, right And now there's just emo trap And I don't get it, but you know what, if you kids like it, that's what matters Oh, you don't like e-boys? You're not into that? Um, I I don't get it <laughs> Um, I guess, like, what what is an e-boy? Is an e-boy pretty much just like Like a boy that looks like a boy band singer but he doesn't actually do anything and he just like has an only fans like where he like just has his shirt off all the time is that what it is um it's a uh e is just short for emotional it's basically just the oh. next evolution of emo okay because like you know i knew what an e-girl was an e-girl is different like the e and that is different from the e-boy Right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's like e Sig, You know, it's not the same thing. It, it doesn't oh, okay. have an OnlyFans. It's not trying to get you to give it money so you can see a little bit of its butthole. Oh, okay. I, I, I understand now. I, I actually didn't know the distinction. I only recently kind of figured out what a visco girl is, and I I felt gross finding that out. Because I'm just like, I feel like I shouldn't know what this is. <laughs> ah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, th- just call yourself Valley Girls. That's all you are. Anyway, um... <laughs> so that tank that rocky is born in uh which is a very strange sentence uh, was actually yeah. previously previously used in uh some hammer horror films uh which is the revenge of frankenstein the one that we just mentioned earlier so that was one of the props that was there um and the costuming budget for this film was sixteen hundred dollars which was about one thousand dollars more than the one, than the costuming budget for the theatrical show uh, that's, you would think that the theatrical show would need more costuming. I guess not. Um, it, it's known for having a minimalist set. I, I believe it. I, I, knowing how much people care about it, though, like surely there are versions of this that are not just minimalistic. Like, has anybody gone all out trying to do? Oh, this Oh yes, yes. Um, there was a production in the early two thousands with uh, when I was in theater. This guy was my fucking hero, uh, Raul Esparza. Um, he and he played riffraff and the music is very lush for this, but I still think no one's really made a true like punk version of this. Mm, Okay. Well, there's a project for us. I, I, (laughs) I attempted to get one off the ground in college, but then I remembered I went to a Christian college and it went nowhere. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. I, I had a whole idea to do like, kind of like a shoegaze, um, Gothic metal kind of thing. Ah, that's fun. Yeah, so like really, really go through all the different like iterations of like um alternative rock. And then anytime it's a Brad or Janet song, it would have been like one direction pop. Nice. Yeah, so like you know, like kind of contrasting and like showing that there is still like somewhat of a counterculture in America. But anyway, um that's not this. <laughs> and I'll probably never get my vision on the stage. Mainly because I have no clout there. Anyway, um so the opening sequence shows Patricia Quinn uh, Magenta's lips While Richard O'Brien provides the singing voice hmm. And this is actually Very different from the theatrical version Because in the theatrical version um, It would be the character that norm- Or the actress that normally plays Magenta In like a um, Film stewardess Kind of outfit And she has like a tray that has like popcorn and sodas on it Ah Yeah so it, it very different And like honestly iconic okay i'm interested to see it i want to see it up close and personal it i yeah it's 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 a different experience we are getting there i promise i am just trying to get through all of this for context's sake um so when this film was released uh there was a song from the theatrical show that they recorded but never actually shot and that is the song once in a while um it only recently like i think about maybe 15 years ago resurfaced on an absolute treasures version of the motion picture soundtrack which also included what they thought was lost was the original mono recording of the sword of damocles which is the song that uh, rocky sings when he first comes out of the tank okay okay yeah so for years that wasn't on any of the rocky horror soundtracks and it was really fucking stupid um Speaking of songs that were cut, uh, Heroes was actually originally cut from the U.S. release because Fox thought it wouldn't make sense to Americans because it was just fucking weird. Um, however, in the decades since, uh, the U.K. cut, which has UK, which has Heroes intact, is considered the definitive version of the film, and this is the cut that most Shadowcasts use. Okay. Uh, well, there's a true-to-form authenticity there. I kind of appreciate that. Right. I mean, th- this is- it's definitely the way that the movie's supposed to be seen. It's definitely the way I saw it the first time. So when I saw the US cut, I thought it just looked really weird. Uh, Heroes <laughs> completes the journey of the story, I think. Not that there's much story to complete. But, uh, you know, and of course, as most cult films do, uh, this film opened to very little fanfare and did not do well outside of LA. Uh, it was pulled from release very quickly, and a planned New York opening on Halloween night was canceled. Ooh, that would have been fun, though. Uh, I mean, they still do it. Like, I can't remember what theater in New York City does it every year. No matter what day Halloween is on, they do Rocky Horror. Um, commitment. That's commitment. full commitment. Yeah, uh, New York City has some of the longest-running Rocky Horror troops. As a matter of fact, they all fight all the time. Anyway, oh, oh wow. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so, And the film, they tried to tie it as a double feature with another like kind of glam rock slash punk uh, movie musical called phantom of the paradise but still nothing hmm. okay can we get phantom of the paradise is that something that's readily available uh yeah actually i think if i'm not mistaken i think it's on shutter right now Ooh, okay yeah I like shutter yeah shutter is great i actually recently just got it uh not to, to get super off topic but they have a really cool show co- called uh, cursed films on there right now and it kind of goes through like the legends of like cursed films like poltergeist and uh, the omen and twilight zone the movie like it's really really cool like they go in depth and uh i highly recommend it it's a high recommend from me um not sponsored wish i was right not sponsored (laughs) all right so further into this release um, a fox executive tim deegan started to see that other films were doing well on midnight circuits such as a john waters pink flamingos and a reefer madness from 1938 uh he was He was able to convince Fox distributors to redistribute Rocky Horror Picture Show on April Fool's Day in 1976 in New York City. Um, And this seemed to kind of kick off the cultural phenomenon. Uh, Many movie theaters would allow attendees free admission if they came in costume. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is not a trend that continues today. Um, That's a bummer. Oh, well, okay. Are we talking about costumes that are relevant to this story or just general Halloween costumes? Um, it, it would have to be from the movie. Oh, okay. I, I'm beginning to see why they don't want people just showing up that way. Right, right, right. And uh, this trend kind of continued and like a culture started around it. And this is eventually where we started to see shadow casts. Um, and due to the massive cult phenomenon of this film, Rocky Horror is actually considered the longest running theatrical release of all time hmm. because it, it's ever since it's uh, that midnight movie circuit, it's been playing at least once a week throughout the United States and abroad. That is amazing. Yeah. And I mean, the only thing that stopped it was coronavirus. Oh, I didn't think about that. Mm hmm. And uh, so- that's just. Oh, go ahead it's still like it was still going up until recently yeah like i mean people like it's at least showing like at one point it was um at least once a day wow okay so here's a question and uh, it's too late now but would it have been possible for people to do these at the theater as a live stream just to keep it going um they could potentially but i mean you run into issues with uh they'd have to be too close Oh, I see what you mean. I think most of these shadowcasts, like a lot of them that I've seen, take more than ten people. So it's um, it's definitely like a, it'll come back. Like th- this this thing has legs of its own now. Like I, it's not going anywhere. Um, okay. But and people ask, you know, like how is that possible? Um, actually, it's very simple. A uh, twentieth century fox used to have a deal with theaters that they could um request archival prints of any film they want whenever, which whenever. is. Uh, whenever which is like the exact opposite of like disney who like takes all their prints and like puts them in their archives uh which actually leads to a pretty big question because uh as we all know disney owns fox now uh so so when disney first acquired fox they actually requested all archival prints back like they wanted to put them in the disney archives so that they could catalog them And maybe they would release them at a later date, but as of right now, they are not able to do that. However, they made an exception for Rocky Horror. At least they had that much sense. Uh, It really just dawned on me when you said this that, you know, Disney owns all of this now, including stuff like this. Right, right, right. And so Disney did make the exception, so Rocky Horror is still on that, you know, you can request a Rocky Horror print anytime you want. You have to have the money for it but you can request it and uh it also leads to a bigger question of where does rocky horror fit in the disney canon now and uh my personal vote is that we make frankenfurter a disney princess i think that's the logical next step yes uh so princess leia and rocky horror are the next uh disney princesses uh please do it uh please have a frankenfurter walk around character at disney World. (laughs) Ooh, I'm into that. Um, it, uh, Let's, yeah, we might as well put a Jessica Rabbit walk-around character as well. <laughs> and just n- piss off every parent possible. Okay, I think that it's important that we explore this idea a little more. So I'm thinking the Haunted Mansion, right? We right. could turn that into the Frankenfurter Castle. That's a great idea. Why haven't they done that? Oh, because it's a family park. That's They yeah, would never exactly. go for that. But You can't just literally have a Tim Curry lookalike trying to bang everybody that comes inside. Well, I mean, I think you could probably work around that. Like, you could probably still take the same aesthetic and just kind of maybe desexualize it a little bit for mm. children. Okay, or whatever. Put it in Epcot. Put it that in Epcot. That makes it okay. Yeah, we can replace the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Ooh, good move. Uh, Avatar Land. Demolish it. Put up Rocky Horror Land. That's in an Animal Kingdom. and same shit. Just. Just destroy Animal Kingdom. Also, this is now the fifth episode in a row that I've somehow shoehorned Disney into. And I am well, proud of myself. Disney technically owns this now. So I feel like that was, like, inevitable. But we've still managed to stretch it out into talking about the theme parks. Right. And I, I, I think I'm slowly but surely getting you interested. No. <laughs> yes. We no, are going not. to Disneyland. I want a picture of me and you on the Dumbo on the Dumbo ride. It's going to happen. Just let it happen i all right whatever okay cool (laughs) all right so now that we're here i think it's just about goddamn time that we talk about these shadow cats that i've been talking about okay so john are you aware of what a live rocky horror showing entails you have described this to me many many times i'm familiar with the idea of it but i've never attended one obviously and uh haven't even really like seen clips of them honestly i haven't even really sought it out which surprises me now that i'm thinking about it because again cult phenomenon that is something that i'm really into right and honestly if you can find a rocky horror cast near you uh once all of this uh, coronavirus shit is over i highly suggest going or the next time you and i are in atlanta together we'll go to the one in atlanta because i'm the gonna go out on the- a limb and say that the bay area probably has a really good one The Bay Area probably does have a really good one. Um, I have not found one in Central PA, but if any listeners know of any, uh, please let me know, because I am highly interested. Um, Uh, go to Pittsburgh, see some bridges, uh, kick a can of Old English 800 down the street, and attend Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right, right, right. Uh, actually, that's one of the biggest hubs, is Pittsburgh, for this kind of thing. Uh, also, if you're ever in Pittsburgh, go to the Andy Warhol Museum. It's great. Um... And yeah, it's all Pittsburgh. It's all bridges. Like, have you been to Pittsburgh? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. Um, you know, like they say, it's like a city of bridges. Like, you really don't understand what that means till you're there. Huh? It is absolutely ridiculous. You know what? I bridges. feel like we have talked about this relatively recently because I also talked about Portland. You know, Portland probably has a banging rock and horror picture show too. Oh yeah, for sure. Any like you know weird art? Any city that has like a weird artistic like section? They're gonna have something like this, I guarantee it. Um, like in Atlanta, it's in uh it's right down from little five points and like going towards a uh, Ponce de Leon. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're talking about up by like the uh Crog Street Market. Not yes. Crog Street. Yeah. Is there a Crog Street Market? It's mm-hmm. one of the markets, I don't know. Ponce. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's right Pont City Market. Yeah, that yeah. Pont City Market and it's um if you're ever on Ponce de Leon, it's right next to the Majestic and uh the Buffalo Exchange. That's How where nice the Plaza Atlanta, Theater. Dude. I miss Atlanta now. Dude, I miss Atlanta. I miss going to the Majestic and hanging out with strippers. (laughs) I didn't know you did that, but that's cool. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. Oh, okay. Oh, you're talking about just, like, casually, like, this person is a stripper and is here. Correct. Oh, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Okay, so, anyway. Um, so, John, basically what happens in a shadow cast is, like, people will dress up as the characters. So, like, a troop. So, like, let's take Lips Down on Dixie, for example. They, Mm -hmm. um... They have char- they have people who act out the scenes as each of the characters. Uh, they have costumes that are usually or they try to like be as screen accurate as possible. Uh, they make little set pieces to go with it. so they are like lip syncing to the movie while it's happening and they may interject and say other shit every once in a while but you know that that's truly where the differences between troops comes out is like where they interrupt. And, um, you know, they'll usually have, like, some sort of, like, pre-movie, like, game or something that people play. Like, it's really fun. But um, that's pretty much what it is. And people yell at the screen. Like, people have little phrases that they yell out. And we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, they, there's, like, little props that they give out for people to use. It's really fun. Um, so, let's start at the beginning. Uh, the Legend has it that it wasn't until about five months into the midnight circuit in New York City that people started to yell at the screen uh, the first known instance of this was a, uh, very, like, timid teacher type person yelling from the back of the auditorium when the, over at the Frankenstein place number was coming by, and, uh, you know, Susan Sarandon has the, uh, paper, has the, like, the newspaper over her head, and he just oh, yelled yeah. from the back, ''Buy an umbrella, you cheap bitch!'' Okay, I think this is an important place to bring back that Tim Curry voice, so I'm just gonna throw that out there right now. Buy an umbrella, you cheap bitch! <laughs> there you go. I'm sure a timid teacher from New York City—that's what he sounds like. He might—I yeah. don't know. <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> okay, um, and so this kind of began like a uh, like a tradition, like people would come in and they would say new phrases and they would go up on the screen and like for instance like when the When they start spinning the globe they would go up and like move their hands on the screen like it looks like they're moving the globe nice another favorite of mine is uh when the um the criminologist uh, he kind of has a butt chin Mm. and people just yell fuck that chin and then someone will go up with their hands and like start like fingering the chin that's a lot but okay (laughs) you would you you would understand if you saw it it's kind of hard to explain um it also start. there's also a lot of traditions with this that are usually pretty similar, no matter where you are. Um, people that have never seen Rocky Horror with a live shadow cast are considered virgins and must be initiated. Uh, it does not matter if you've seen the movie at home, you are still a virgin. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, so like, they'll usually like take some red lipstick and write a V on your head. Nice. Or whatever. That's good fun. There are lots of worse things they could do. Yes, exactly And uh, it does get worse Okay, so I'm going to explain some of like the phrases that come about Like, um, so when the opening number comes on uh, The entire audience usually said something along the lines of this In the beginning there was darkness And God said, let there be lips And then there were lips And they were red Hmm, and, okay uh, Yep, and uh, whenever someone says Janet's name in the movie, the crowd yells slut. Or whenever Brad's name is mentioned to the audience, uh, they yell asshole. Nice. Uh, I guess that's just because that's how they feel about him? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a funny thing to say. Brad's kind of an asshole, Janet's kind of a slut, whatever. Not slut-shaming. Right, of course, because, I mean, he definitely did the same thing. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. He's just a little more reserved about it, I guess. I don't know, it was the 70s. So at some point, people started bringing rice to throw during the wedding scene, uh, newspapers for the over the Frankenstein place number, and uh, dancing to the Time Warp. And uh, they would like use party favors for like that scene where Rocky's born, and they're like doing like the you know like the like those oh things. yeah they got the noisemakers on the sticks yeah the noisemakers on the sticks yeah 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 that's what it's called <laughs> um. And then also around this time, uh, people started, like I said, they started getting up in front of the screen and acting and like this kind of led to troops and like theaters being more welcoming of the troops coming in. And, uh, just so everybody knows every shadow cast is different and they are regional. So like different regions have different things that they do. Okay. That's pretty fun. So it could be like a collectible thing now. Like you got to go do this thing in this place. And then when you visit this other city, you go see the cast there, you know, like that kind of thing yeah it, it's very much like that it's, it's very, like a hard rock cafe but not nearly as middle-aged correct it's it's definitely like it, it's a family like it's a cult thing like a, a lot of people bring their kids to this when they're like 18 19 years old like you know like you have to initiate your kids into this too because it's it's fun it is fun it does seem like it would be fun yeah I, I highly suggest you going and if nothing else me and you will go together at some point sounds Um, like a plan i'm gonna hold you to it all right so that's enough about like the shadow cast there's so much to go into there and like just not enough time but um let's talk about a little bit more of the legacy of this uh there this this film has been referenced in countless media including like most recently like uh, the perks of being a wallflower where the characters actually are in a shadow cast of rocky horror i have seen this movie relatively recently uh i like it and i'm also gonna go out on a limb and say 14 is a little young to be a member of the shadow cast for this movie i think um i mean it used to be like you know young kids and stuff now it's mostly older people but you know i mean it is what it is i guess it's an idealized thing also doesn't that movie take place in the 90s or does it take place in the 80s i can't remember i t- i don't know it I think I'm gonna it's go on one and say 90s. No, it's 80s because uh, they listen to the Smiths and stuff like that. It's the 80s. All right. I mean, it could very easily be yesterday. Like honestly, the way they oh, did yeah. that movie. That is true. That is true. What happened to Ezra Miller? What happened to him? I don't know, but he should be okay. So there is a remake of this. We've already talked about it. And why did they not get Ezra Miller to come on and be Doctor Frankenfurt I don't know. I don't even remember who they got to be Doctor Frankfurter. But um, there's actually been two like relatively recent like remakes of this. Like a uh, Glee did a horrible bastardization of this. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, yeah. You guys remember when Glee was a thing? Yeah, ooh, I do ooh. too. I um, I unfortunately was part of the age group and part of like you know the theater circuit. So I was very much into Glee, and now I watch it and I'm like, why did I like this? I think Glee is like the wwe of the theater kid world <laughs> like everybody watched it but nobody is happy to admit that they watched it unless you're just that into it that is fair I, I that is a very ad comparison i it's not that like i'm embarrassed that i watch it but i'm just like how did i like watch this season after season like i don't understand like, it, it, it's, it's honestly, like, looking back on it now, there was actually a trend on, like, TikTok recently where people were going back and saying, like, how creepy some of the things in the show are. Uh-huh. Like, uh, the fact that um, a lot of times, like, Mr. Shu, like, the, the teacher character, would always say that, like, his students are his best friends. And then even to the point where when he got married, one of his students was his best man at the wedding, and it's like, ew. I mean, you would know better than I would, but theater kids have weird relationships with like the adults in their lives. Not like inappropriate necessarily, but like, no, no, no. But like, I mean, yes and no. But like, not to that extent. Like, I mean, like a student that is still your student and you make them the best man at your wedding—that's weird. Uh, I, I've known of teachers to do weirder things with students. Not gonna get into it, but yeah, know. let's not get into it. It's there is a line that should not be crossed. But anyway. Uh, you do you, but actually don't do you. Uh, just do what's right. That's right. what they pay you for. You anyway. do you, don't do anyone else. Exactly, exactly. All right. So and then like I said, Fox did one of their like quote unquote live musicals. It's all bullshit. I hate it. I've hated every single one of them. Nice. Uh, yeah, no, dude, like it's nice that like I think that something like that probably got another kid into theater. Which like, you know, it's a very hard thing to do nowadays. And so anything that brings someone to theater or brings someone to something else, I'll never shit on that. Like, if like if you said, oh, I watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show live on Fox, and now I'm going to all these Shadowcast things, and now I'm part of one. And, you know, like, I don't like the Fox Live thing anymore, but it definitely got me where I am. It's like, there is nothing wrong with that. Everybody has to have a jumping in point. I guess that's true. Yeah. Just like some people uh, went over to their buddy's house, and they were watching WWE and then some people like saw some action figures in the store and were like, "Oh, what's WWE?" and then they start watching WWE. Uh, I'm just making this a WWE thing again. <laughs> is it is going to be a regular thing where you're going to compare things to WWE? No, absolutely not. I definitely can't do that. But if we want to talk about Margaritaville, it's kind of the same thing. It is not. Anyway. It has a musical. <laughs> it I I hate I hate this. I hate that it has a sequel. It legitimizes it. Fuck it. Anyway. It has a sequel. Oh, sorry. Um, this Rocky Horror has a spiritual sequel, and I think I was reading something and uh, accidentally mixed up my words. But um, yeah, no, Margaritaville has a musical, and it legitimizes it. Let's move on. Yeah, so okay. there is a spiritual sequel to Rocky Horror called Shock Treatment, which has pretty much the same cast, and it was pretty released. Pretty much in, the same cast. Yeah, I think only like Tim Curry didn't come back, and Susan Sarandon. So, like, the two that kind of went the furthest after this Unfortunately, yeah Hmm It's, it's, I mean, you know It is what it is Shock treatment, uh, it's either you love it or you hate it Or you're, well, I mean, I guess there's a lot of people that are indifferent I, I happen to be one of those I'm indifferent to shock treatment Like, I don't hold it with the same, like, nostalgia glasses as I do Rocky Horror But, I mean, it's not horrible Okay, okay um, and, you know, like, that's pretty much all I got. Like, Rocky Horror was de- is definitely, like, one of my favorite movies and, like, something I hold near to my heart. Like, it, it was really, like, this and uh, Clerks and Donnie Darko, which we'll get later to this month, that really, like, were my jumping-off point into, like, quote-unquote cult or, like, alternative cinema. Mm-hmm. Like, so, it'll always hold a special place in my heart. Also, I turned 18 at my first time at a shadow cast of rocky horror so that was awesome oh that is a pretty fun way to turn 18 it was an awesome way to turn 18 other than when um i almost got puke ass drunk when i turned 21 at a bar in downtown atlanta which was just a horrible idea how did how did nothing bad ever happen to us john i don't know but it worked out man and uh i'm glad we're here i'm glad that we uh, are reflecting on these times that we had in the past I'm glad that we're slowly descending into being middle-aged and we don't have anything going for us anymore. And uh, maybe one of these days I'll finish my associates in management online because my dreams are crushed. Ooh, associates in management. Yeah. (laughs) Your wife's got something to look out because here I come. (laughs) I'm going to take you. That's Uh, sexy. (laughs) Yeah, man. There's nothing sexier than having an associates degree in management. Mm, It's the associates. It's like you could have gone further, but you didn't. (laughs) <laughs> oh yes oh yes daddy all right i think that's just as good enough place to wrap it up for today um if you are a version to this podcast we hope that you've tasted blood and you want more uh, subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform give us a like on facebook for memes recipes and show announcements and if you're feeling frisky give us a five-star review on apple podcasts uh this makes us more visible to others who may wa- who may enjoy the show and uh, I think that's going to do it for this week uh, for 4 Year information, I'm Zach and I'm John uh, see a new movie this week and don't forget don't dream it, be it